Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome back in, everyone, to Sports Tonight College Football, the National Championship Edition. Uh, this is Jim Johnson, along with our resident expert and guru from Baltimore Sports and Life, Mike Lowe. Uh, Mike, give me one word to describe that national championship game. Keep it clean. Uh, how about a how about a sentence? Okay. <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were a TCU fan, I'm pretty sure you were. But um, yeah, yeah, boy, that was uh, that was, uh... that was a butt whipping. Yeah, it was um, certainly, I, I don't imagine what any of us hoped for, unless you were a yeah. Georgia fan, and I'd be yeah, willing Georgia to bet even the Georgia fans probably got pretty bored and impatient about halfway through the third quarter and just wanted to get that whole episode over with. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I, I go back, you know, just before we went live, um I was thinking about the conversation we ended our show with last week about, you know, how TCU kind of carried uh, all the hopes and dreams that, hey, maybe we can have some more parity in college football. And uh, yeah, wow. then along came Georgia to pretty much crush our wow. soul and uh, say, their soul, that's for sure. yeah, say <clears throat> no, forget about it. You will get one, maybe two elite teams per year that will boat race the field and you will like it. And so, yeah, we here, here we are. Yeah, yeah. So here we are back to where we were before, which is, uh, you know, pretty much okay. You know, uh, is, is it really possible for, um, you know, a quote unquote underdog team that, you know, maybe has not recruited the, the elite talent to come along and knock the king off the hill? And uh, so far, we. Hasn't happened yet. We came up one game short this time. You liked to have been Ryan Day watching that game. And you were one kick away from beating those guys who were you were turning uh you're just pulverizing TCU and you had to be thinking if you're him watching that game, that could have been us. I don't think they would have won sixty-five to seven, but you can make an argument that if they could give Georgia that good a game, they could have done something like that to TCU. That that just had to really really frost him. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how much worse they would have felt than they already do just having come right. so, yeah. come so close to beating Georgia. Yeah. And that of course, you know, uh, the other thought that goes you know through your head is like, okay, well, was Ohio State really the second best team in college football? Maybe they were. You know, we kind of wrote them off after you know they kind of you know slept walk through a good portion of that Michigan game. And a lot of the season you know, we I, thought they were second best or maybe best team. Yeah. I you know, I think part of it was just how they matched up. Uh the teams matched up. I think um Ohio State uh offensively was the kind of team that could attack Georgia and expose them, which they did um for three quarters and uh that you know, we said last week um, the complexion of that game I think changed a lot when Ohio State lost Marvin Harrison Jr. 
Um, he was just such a big part of what they did. And yeah, my recollection of the fourth quarter is mostly it was just C.J. Stroud, you know, working a miracle to, you know, just keep them in it. And, you know, he at least got them in position to kick that field goal, uh, mostly with his legs. Um, but, yeah, you know, maybe Ohio State was the best team. Yeah, the other thing that gets me, you know, got me thinking is, you know, we look at TCU and, um, you know, how, how they pulled it off against Michigan because Michigan is, um, you know, in terms of their identity and their style of play, similar to Georgia. They're obviously a light version of Georgia, but very similar. And, you know, T- TCU just went out there and went toe-to-toe with them. And, you know, of course, TCU had a month off to prepare for that game to, you know, get rested and all that. And, you know, they go out there and, you know, basically, you know, trade, you know, shots with Michigan and, uh, you know, slugfest. And then eight days later have to turn around and do the same thing against Georgia. And they just couldn't do it. That's and, a really interesting point. Yeah. And that's not to say necessarily that maybe, you know, maybe they would have done a little better if they had another month off. That's not what we want, but you know, maybe that would have made a bit of a difference. And some of it, you know, I think it's just, it was just kind of the random thing where, you know, if you, if TCU and Georgia played 10 times, you know, Georgia wins, you know, nine, maybe even all 10 of them. But, you know, maybe in, you know, six or seven of those 10, it's a much more competitive game. We just happened to get the one where that didn't happen. And, you know, I think TCU just got knocked down early and they just couldn't pick themselves back up. Yeah, well, once that snowball started downhill, boy, it just flattened them. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, you know, it, it, there's all kinds of confluence of factors that you can, you know, kind of come up with the sort of sum up how this whole, uh, you know, postseason worked out for us. And, um, you know, again, it, you know, it's it's disappointing unless you're a Georgia fan. Um but, you know, it, it is kind of what college football has always been. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, we, we see these things more clearly now because we, we are at least settling the matter on the field uh, rather than a bunch of polls and, you know, computers and, and this and that. I still have no doubt that uh, the playoff committee, you know, did get the right four teams. Uh, maybe they didn't seed them correctly. Um, you know, that's possible. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Ohio state, you know, should have been third and got a rematch with Michigan first and, you know, let Georgia beat up on TCU in the semifinal. And then, you know, the best of Ohio state or Michigan goes and takes their best shot at Georgia. Um, but you know, again, I, I do think some of that is matchup related, just the way Ohio state is built and how they operate, I think. They were the team that was probably going to have the best shot out of anybody to knock off Georgia, and they came very close. Well, let's face it. You're not going to get too many um, Texas-USC Rose Bowls to a championship game. You know, that is the exception. And, you know, the, the, yeah. the median is somewhere between that game and last Monday night. Um, yeah. We've had some terrific, uh, you know, matchups in in the final game. You know, I, I think of all those uh, Clemson Alabama games. Um, oh yeah, they you know, had, some they had some, some really. Yeah, they had they had two actually. I guess just two, but you know, two outstanding games. 
Um, but yet, you know, and this year we did get two great semifinal matchups, and we've never well, had we've that before. Turkey the last few years, so yeah, we, yeah, we did. We actually got more better games. It just uh, yeah, just didn't end well. So, yeah. So Georgia now, the D word is being thrown around quite a bit. Dynasty. After Monday night, it's kind of hard to argue with it because they look like they're loaded again next year. Why? Why couldn't they run it back and become? And and this is really surprising looking at the annals of all the great college football teams that have been that nobody's ever won three championships in a row. Not Notre Dame, not Oklahoma, not uh, Alabama. Nobody. And Georgia's got a chance to do something that would separate them from every other football program. And Kirby Smart has got something to do that would separate him from every other coach, dare I say. You know? Um, and I, I think I liked something I read last week that said Nick Saban is still the greatest coach in history, but Kirby Smart has become the greatest coach today. Hard to argue with that. And especially yeah. if he puts a three spot up next year. Wow. And they they could you know, the SEC, you know, is, is again gonna be very challenging next year, but they could do it, couldn't they, Mike? Yeah, they uh, they of course have a favorable schedule. Georgia does. Um, they don't play anybody out of conference. They were supposed to have a home and home series with Oklahoma that started next season, and the SEC stepped in because I think the the side of that game that was going to be played at Georgia wasn't going to be played until after Oklahoma joined the conference, and the SEC kind of stepped in and said, "Hey, you guys should cancel this series," and they did. And uh, I think they ended up replacing them with, like, Ball State or somebody. Suffice to say, Georgia has a ridiculously easy non-conference schedule uh, next year, Georgia Tech being the only Power 5 team they'll play. And, yeah, they do – they miss um, Alabama and LSU. They won't play either of them. Oh. at least not until they would get to the SEC championship right. game. Right. Um, you know, they they get Auburn. You know, we'll see how good they are. Um, you know, that, that seems like a multi-year uh, rebuild, yeah. but we'll see. Um, you know, they, they do have to go to Tennessee. You know, presumably that'll be a challenge. Um, you know, they, they get Florida as always, but that's that's really about it. It's, it's their usual... Um, you know, SEC East lineup, and then they get um, Auburn, who they always play every year. And I forget who the other SEC West team is, but it's it's not anybody that's going to say, oh, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. South Carolina might be a nuisance with Spencer Rattle coming back. We'll see. Possibly. You, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, this goes back to, and, you know, I, I kind of threw a bold statement out there um, before this season started when we were doing our previews that, you know, kind of maybe we're at the point where maybe we should start talking about Georgia's being, you know, the next Alabama, and, you know, everybody likes to point to Clemson as, you know, how, you know, quickly they rose and won two titles in three years um, and, you know, were a fixture in the playoff every year. And, um, you know, now they, they're they not quite at that level anymore. And so, you know, is 
is Georgia, uh, you know, another Clemson or are they another Alabama? Um, you know, I, I see them as being a little bit more sustainable than what Clemson did uh, in the previous decade, just just the way they're recruiting. Um, it, and, you know, they seem uh, much more willing to adapt Kirby Smart and his staff than Dabo Swinney and his staff adapted to the rapidly changing landscape in college football, um, you know, taking advantage of the transfer portal and things like that. So, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, Georgia's a little bit more sustainable than what we saw out of Clemson in the previous decade. The other thing was Clemson did what they did with two elite quarterbacks, um, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Um Georgia did what they've done with Stetson Bennett, who take nothing away from him, uh, you know, but he's not Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. Right. Yeah. And, and the NFL scouts will tell you that in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Although I'll tell you what, if you look at the list of some of the uh, quarterbacks that started in the NFL last Sunday, I, I see no reason why Stetson Bennett can't at least make it on somebody's roster or, you know, oh, yeah. even if he's, even if he's just bouncing around practice squads, if he wants, you know, if he wants to be in the NFL, I, I, I see no reason why when you, again, <laughs> you saw some of the quarterbacks that were starting in the league last Sunday. That's so. a really good point. Just because he may not be a star doesn't mean he's not going to make a nice living. Yeah. yeah, it's just a question. Of, you know, what does he want? Does you know? He, he, again, he you know he he might very well be a guy that just kind of bounces around from one practice squad to the next for a few years, and you know he'll get he'll get a call up, and you know maybe even a spot start here and there. Who knows? Um, if he if he wants to do that, I see no reason why he can't. Um, but you know maybe he has other ambitions. Um, you know, we'll see. That's up to him. Well, who's going to be their quarterback next year? Uh, well, you know, it would seem that the leader in the clubhouse would be Carson Beck. He got that, you know, playing time at the end of the game Monday. Um, you know, it, he's, he seems to be the heir apparent, but we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the springtime. Um, you know, it doesn't, I, I don't see any other names, you know, out there that are necessarily going to, you know, um, be somebody that you would just pencil right in there who, you know, coming in right away. I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe they'll look at the portal. We'll see. Um, you know, there's always quarterbacks in the portal. Oh, yeah, quarterbacks in the portal are dime a dozen this year. Yeah. Um, well, what about TCU? Uh, no Max Duggan next year. Uh, so, uh, you know, what uh, what's Sonny Dykes going to do to – help the team get over this game, but by the same token, you know, the greatest season TCU's had since the 30s, um, you know, they, can they keep that momentum going? Maybe. Um, you know, you've got, you're looking at the Big 12. Um, you know, it, it was, I think, the postseason kind of showed us that it was uh, maybe, you know, the, everybody was right and saying, well, you know, there's a lot of good teams there, but maybe not so much uh, in the way of great teams. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that's probably spot on. And so, you know, looking at it next year, you do have some new faces that are going to be there. You know, you got 
you know, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and um, uh, Houston that'll be joining next year. And presumably, um, actually, definitely next season, you're still going to have Texas and Oklahoma hanging around. So that's going to be a pretty big conference, uh, 14 teams next year, compared to what it's been uh, before. those teams that you mentioned are likely to be really, really good teams next year. One of them might bubble up, but uh, of that group, I think they all made bowl games. But... Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, any yeah. one of those teams, we'll see, you know, any one of those teams, I, I don't expect any of those four to be contenders for the conference title, but I could see any one or all of them being good enough where, you know, they might kind of be one of those uh, sneaky, tough games where, you know, you just catch them at the wrong time and boom, and you know, they, they knock you out of a playoff contention for, you know, whoever the top team in the conference ends up being. Now, they do have, um, you know, speaking of TCU, they, they've got Chandler Morris back, um, coming back. He's the quarterback who was actually the starter and then got hurt week one and got replaced by Max Duggan. Um, so he is set to return next year, presumably again, if he doesn't go to the portal, but, um, you know, again, you know, Sonny Dykes is probably, uh, going to have to look, you know, himself at the portal and, uh, you know, see where he can fill in some holes here. Um, you know, and we have, you know, a couple windows for, you know, these teams to do it. Georgia and TCU are kind of maybe a little bit behind the ball in that game because they've also had to focus on, you know, preparing to play games themselves rather than just building their rosters. Um, but we do get that second window in, in May that comes at the end of spring practice. And, um, you know, that's another one where you see a lot of players kind of after they go through spring practice say, you know, there's, there's probably not really any opportunities for me here and I'll, I'm going to move on. Um, so, yeah, they. Uh, I, I think both teams have some holes in their roster. Um, Georgia obviously is recruited uh, well enough that they probably have some talent, uh, you know, somewhere on their depth chart that's going to fill in a lot of those spots. I think uh, Georgia has six players on both sides of the ball that are set to return, um, but they do have some key names and faces that they're going to have to replace and, you know, guys that are – going to have to step up for them next year if they are going to do the three-peat. You know, it's... I don't see a good reason to bet against them. Yeah. You know, as we look at it now, you know, who who are going to be the teams? Who do you think are the teams, you know, that are going to be in the mix next year? You certainly have to put them in there. It's going to be the usual suspects, I would think, for most people. Um, you know, you got Ohio State, but they've got to replace C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, Michigan, they've got a lot returning, although we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. That right. still seems very much up in the air to me. Yeah. Um, you know, Alabama, you know, they, they certainly have some names that they have to replace. But again, uh, you know, they've recruited at a level where you would think, They've got the guys on their roster to do that. And Nick Saban always seems to be able to pluck a player here and there off the portal that's going to, you know, be a big difference maker. Um, You know, much like with the high school recruits, uh, he's among those who gets first pick of all the the portal stars. Um, You know, and then there's some other names out there that you kind of – 
here because they they really had great finishes to their season and strong you know showings in a bowl game uh penn state is a team you know i hear a lot of people talking about florida state is another one um you know when you go and look at all these way too early top 25s uh i see them showing up in a lot of people's top 10 penn state florida state um you know penn state obviously they still got Michigan and Ohio State, they've got to contend with and figure out a way to knock those two off. They haven't been able to do it. Um, you know, Florida State would seem to have a friendly path maybe to the ACC championship. Um, you know, Clemson, you know, just hasn't quite been uh, up to the level that they were in the previous decade. Some interesting news, uh, you know, is dropping literally right before we uh, started recording here with uh, Dabo Swinney firing uh, Brandon Streeter, the offensive coordinator, which is extremely rare for him. And so maybe, you know, it is kind of a sign of the times that he's changing a little bit. And the hot rumor is it's going to be um, um, Kevin Riley from TCU, of all places, that maybe he would hire to replace him. Lincoln Riley's brother. What jumped out at me about that story, Mike, was that... Or, I'm sorry, not elect- Kevin Riley. Garrett Riley. Excuse okay. me. That's I got I got the name wrong there. You got the family right. The but, Riley, right family, Riley, but, uh, but wrong, yeah, wrong brother, Riley, if there even family. is a Kevin Riley. I think Kevin, uh, where did I come up? Kevin Riley, that, he, I think he played quarterback for Cal years and years ago. We go back and look that up after the show. But anyway, yeah. um, that's the la- first time that um, uh, Swinney has, according to ESPN, has fired an assistant coach in uh, 11 seasons. Yeah. And uh, he pretty much had to. The, the story was he fired his defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele, after that. 70 to 33 loss to West Virginia in the Orange Bowl, which was just mindless. He had to fire somebody after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is, uh, you know, showing I don't, I think desperation would be too strong a word, but uh, things are, things are not that settled there. And he needs to, he needs a good hire there because yeah. he's yeah. breaking in an outside voice. Yeah. Yeah, and you know he he does have a relatively inexperienced quarterback, um, you know that he's he's going to be working with. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see about Clemson, and of course you know they they've lost you know they will be losing some you know big stars on their defensive side. Um, you know three guys who were you know, expected to be first round picks in the draft this year. Um, so anyway, yeah, you, know, you know just looking at you know Florida State. Why not? As far as uh, you know, maybe they can, uh, you know, go ahead and reclaim their they were on the uh, cusp this year. They, they their crown as the you know the team to beat in the ACC at least, and you know without anybody else there to you know maybe knock them off. You who knows? You know they might be good enough. You know, twelve and one, thirteen and zero, uh, to you know make the the last fourteen playoff that we'll have next season. Yeah, NC State, I'm sure, will be competitive next year because they have been. They've gone for many years now. But they're not the kind of team you really look at as a 10-2, and 11-1 and candidate. Yeah. And I think Florida State already was moving above them this year, and I think next year there'll be yeah. a gap. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I'll be interested to see how things go because uh, the ACC is scrapping its divisions. And so, uh, you know, how the scheduling format unfolds and, you know, um, you know, who teams like Clemson and Florida State have to play and who they have to who they get to avoid. Um, right, which maybe each other they get to avoid in that scenario. Possibly, uh, you, you never know because you know I would think you know they would still have the one uh, you know at least every team will get one annual rival, and for Florida State, that's most likely going to be Miami, right. and not Clemson. Yeah, and you know Clemson, they would probably match them up with Georgia Tech. I think that's who they were matched up with, and they had divisions. Um, yeah, so you know. Maybe they don't see each other until uh, a conference championship game. Might sell upper deck seats for that next year, so, which is they didn't sell upper deck seats in Charlotte for the Mayo Bowl. So, ah. um, I know it, it, that, that was really surprising to me. But anyway, I don't want to dwell on. I've had, had my fill of mayonnaise for a while now. Um, At least till next December. At least, yeah, you never know. Um, another interesting move happened today. The, uh, the president of the Big Ten, Kevin, what's his name? Warren, um, yeah. There you go. Is is now uh, the president and CEO of the Chicago Bears, which is, that's a move you don't see too often. Uh, so now, you know, the Big Ten seems like it's pretty, you know, they, they've taken care of the big business under Kevin Warren, they got the California schools, they got the big TV contract. They they got a little time to get somebody settled in before the, the next round of whatever it is happens. So, you know, he wasn't there. I think he was there three, three and a half years. Less than three years. And, you know, had that mess with trying to figure out what they were going to do during the COVID football season. Yeah, with the, that was with a bad start. But he bounced back really nicely. If if you if you agree that the two California schools are a, a good thing for the Big Ten, which in many ways financially they are, and then certainly that TV contract, which you know they, the two tie together, uh, in the short time after a bad start, he left quite a little mark on the Big Ten, didn't he? He did, and uh, you know I know we talked about this when uh, you know they announced their TV deal and. You know, it's it's not that surprising to me that he went to the NFL because he's always he had the NFL background. He did, and I yeah, you know, I think that might have been part of what appealed to the Big Ten with him because he was able to come in there and get their you know TV deal. Not only did he get a lot of money, but the exposure that it's going to give the conference is you know second to none across you know all these different over-the-air broadcast networks, and, you know, we, we literally said it on, here on this show, watching Big Ten football on Saturday is going to very closely resemble what it's like when you're watching NFL football on Sunday as far as, you know, where what channels you start on, you know, where you flip it over, and that sort of thing. To deal yeah. With, yeah. You know, all the same networks and, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, that, um, you know, certainly was no coincidence. It makes sense now, having all that wrapped up, that um, you know Kevin Warren maybe decided to move on. There was always the possibility when that was leaked, um, you know, that he'd been talking to the Bears several weeks ago. That maybe it was just a ploy to you know try to get an extension and a raise from the Big Ten. But it sounds like he was always very serious about moving on. Um, 
And so as far as where the Big Ten goes from here, you know, I, I, I do get the impression, you know, you mentioned how he didn't necessarily start off on the right foot with, um, you know, how he managed things when COVID hit. Um, you know, I also get the sense that maybe the folks uh, with the schools didn't necessarily like the way that he continued to openly talk about more expansion. Um, because everything you heard uh, from the schools themselves are saying, we're done, we're done with that for now. But, you know, he he would be asked, in fairness, he didn't necessarily bring it up, but Kevin Warren, when asked about it, is like, yeah, they're, you know, I have no doubt we'll be expanding more in the future. And I, I, I think, you know, the folks here at the Big Ten would have preferred that he kind of um, downplay that, that talk. Um, as far as, you know, what they need to look at is their priorities now. Obviously, the big thing will simply be the logistics of having two schools all the way on the West Coast. Um, you know, how how you pull that off. One, obviously, you know, the football scheduling is what everybody's going to look at, but you've got all these other sports that you've got to schedule and manage travel for. And, you know, you, you have to somehow think about the best interests, especially of the, you know, these players in all these sports for the LA schools and the kind of travel that they're going to have to um, deal with, um, you know, particularly for sports where you play, you know, multiple games, um, you know, over the course of a week. So how, you know, they can do that. And I know, you know, they've bounced around a lot of possibilities, so we'll see what they come up with. But, um, yeah, that's a big thing. Um, you've also got, you know, all these other little issues that are going on in uh, college sports. You know, somebody who can, uh, you know, kind of smooth it over how the whole NIL thing is going to work as it pertains to, you know, how in recruiting. Um, you know, it's not supposed to be used in recruiting, but obviously it's being used in recruiting. Um, yeah. And, you know, you need, uh, you know, somebody, because it's it's already been mentioned when they signed this big TV deal that, uh, you know, none other than Jim Harbaugh said, you know, it, it probably would be the right thing to do to start sharing some of these money, some of this money with the players. Um, so, you know, somebody who maybe when that day comes, if and when it comes, who's going to be able to sit down with, you know, an association or whatever who's representing players in these revenue sports and kind of come to some kind of negotiated agreement with them. Um, you know, and you've got a you know, whole bunch of other, uh, you know, student-athlete well-being uh, issues. So, you know, my hunch is, you know, they'll probably want to look at somebody who might be uh, – have the sort of background that would make them – good in that sort of area the other thing you know you have the betting um you know i think more and more we're going to start seeing you know we've already seen the pro sports leagues cutting deals with uh you know the online betting company and the casinos um so i don't think we're far away from seeing the colleges do the same so maybe you know you get somebody with a little bit of background there who can you know cut a maybe a bigger deal more lucrative deal on behalf of the whole conference um, yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me to see that happen soon. But, yeah, there's 
the big things, as you mentioned, are kind of off the table right now uh, for the remainder of this decade. And so there are still some little things that I'm sure the Big Ten would like to check off the list. It seems, Mike, that, you know, the in, in Warren's brief time, especially the last couple of years, that his focus was very much external, you know, bringing, bringing California schools in, getting the TV deal, working with all the network partners. And it seems now that number one on the commissioner's short-term list would be, okay, now how do I make this all work? How do I make a conference that stretches from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast now? Um, how, how can I make those logistics work and how can I keep everybody relatively happy? You, know, you notice how I put that because ain't everybody going to be happy in that kind of deal. Yeah. You know, the volleyball team at UCLA is not going to be looking forward to having to go up to Northwestern to play a match in February, for example. Now, I might have the season wrong. Maybe the wrestling team will go up there, you know, but somebody's going to have to make those trips out of California and occasionally go all the way across country for that. You know, those are going to be some real challenges as the reality of that, as you mentioned, sets in. And somebody is really going to be able to need to be able to broker that. Uh, yeah. the best word I can come up with. And again, not you know, nobody's going to be totally happy, but hopefully uh, you can get into a situation where everybody figures, well, we're doing the best we can and go back and count your money. To yeah, you know, to get a good a consensus builder or negotiator yes. who yes. you know everybody, where you know if everybody walks away, you know, saying, well, I didn't get everything I want, but if everybody also walks away saying I at least got some of what I want, right. then you right. have probably done a good job as a deal maker. Right. Yeah, and, that's going to be uh, very interesting to watch to see how they put that together because they are the first. Uh, major conference, first first power five conference that has gone coast to coast. And you know, the smaller conferences that have tried some model of that have really struggled and, and generally had to pull back. So uh, you know literally everybody will be watching when it comes to football uh next year. But uh yeah. that'll be yeah. Yeah, football just uh, yeah, yeah, football you know, you play once a week and you're mostly on Saturdays. And so, you know, I, you know, I would look beyond football to see where the real challenges of, yes. um, of this, you know, as far as uh, scheduling games is going to be. Uh, but, on, you on know, football will be what gets the attention though. And so, you know, everybody wants to know, Hey, when does Ohio state, you know, go to play USC? Well, on, on the other side of that, though, the Wisconsin uh, teams are going to look forward to making that West Coast trip in January and February. So some some people are going to be happy, you know, but obviously the California schools can't play all their games at home because that would be a problem. So, um, yeah. We, yeah. We will see how it yeah, the, the kids in Wisconsin might not mind that. Just, uh, <laughs> no, hey, no. Let's, uh, let's set up a little satellite campus out here right. in Malibu and, uh, you know, we'll just... Bring all uh, the teams out for a week and everybody play Southern Cal and everybody play UCLA and then we'll go home and hopefully we can shovel out our driveway. So, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I, I think you'll see some, the model will be some version of that where, yeah. you know, when, you know, especially for the two LA schools when they have to travel east, uh, you know, they actually talked about doing tournament type things uh, with some sports, um, you know, where they're, they'll essentially play multiple teams at a time. 
and um, you know try to try to do that. Yeah, we'll, I always we'll like the way the the Pac-10 did it back in the day when um, you know back in the seventies when in basketball you basically had five pairs of schools in the same same area. They still and do it that go, way. Well, yeah, for but... basketball, um, you know, you basically you hit the road, say, um, you know, say you're one of the schools here in Oregon. And uh, when it comes time to play the Arizona schools, um, they head down and they play uh, the men's basketball on the men's side. They play Thursday night, um, say Oregon State will play Arizona State and Oregon will play Arizona. Then on Saturday night, they switch and the two Oregon schools will play the opposite um, Arizona schools, and that's it. And then, you know, they've they've taken care of their trip to Arizona for the year. And, you know, it's now, the same way. Like that yeah, could work in some areas. Yeah. And so, and, you know, even when they expanded to 12, they continued to do it that way, and they simply paired Colorado and Utah. And you could do, yeah, you could do, like, you know, between Maryland and Penn State and Rutgers are not that close, obviously, like the schools you mentioned. But, you know, you can at least knock two of those off on the same trip because it's a short flight. Although, you know, Penn State is notoriously the worst college you get in and out of. But yeah. you, you can still eventually get in and yeah. out of there. So. Yeah, Maryland Rutgers is easy. Just, you know, hop on the Amtrak to, you know, go from one to the other and, then, yeah. you know, fly home from there. Yeah. Um, Anything else we ought to cover this week? Like, <laughs> like the season ends and like boom, you know, uh, you know the the Jim Harbaugh watches upon us, and uh, you know the eight hundred pound gorilla that's going to determine a, a lot of things swinging both in college and the NFL. And it, you know, again we're hearing a lot of momentum about the NFL um, now. Stanford's coach uh, David Shaw has interviewed with the Denver Broncos, which. I found interesting, and uh, there's a, a story being floated around that if he doesn't get that job, he might be one of uh, Jim Harbaugh's super team of coaches and be uh, offensive coordinator at Denver, where Harbaugh would be coaching, and you know that would be interesting. Yeah, it seems um, a curious situation to me, given uh, you know what what's happened in Denver um, and how you know money-wise locked in with uh, Russell Wilson they are, but maybe, you know, Jim Harbaugh thinks he's the guy that can kind of, you know, unlock, um, you know, whatever it was that, you know, has stymied Russell Wilson. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of start to see a little bit of a decline in him, even in his final couple seasons in Seattle. Um, yeah. But... You know, the reason I, they're I, willing to let him go. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the other thing about that, you know, apparently is he's he's not a popular guy in their locker room at all, despite, yeah. you know, publicly coming off as, you know, one of the friendliest people. Um, but, you know, he, he he has a lot of people, I think, in that Broncos locker room that he's going to have to win over. And so, you know, whether, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh thinks he's – can help him overcome that as well. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I would think, 
you know, you look around the NFL and the obvious match for Jim Harbaugh would seem to be Indianapolis. Uh, one, he has an obvious history there. Two, you know, he's got the Midwestern roots. Um, three, Indianapolis is, I think, is it the fourth pick? Third or fourth pick fourth. in the draft. And so he can pretty much, you know, go get a quarterback and start with a clean slate there, um, you know, rather than, you know, a veteran, you know, like Russell Wilson or, you know, Kyler Murray in Arizona. Um, but maybe that would be what Harbaugh would prefer. He doesn't necessarily want that lump of clay that he's got to work with. He he wants, he'd rather have a veteran that he can simply make a tweak here and there. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see. And of course, you know, I, I guess this, Everybody says, oh, this won't matter, this won't matter. But, you know, now that the NCAA has basically charged Michigan with violations, and the most serious of those violations pertains directly to Jim Harbaugh. uh, If he stays at Michigan, yeah, if he stays at Michigan, then he's certainly, you know, facing probably a multi-game suspension at some point. Now, that might not come down on him in 2023, but it's going to be hanging over him the whole time. Um, so, you know, when you factor that in, it just would seem to make all the more sense that maybe he feels that now it's time to move on. It's just, uh, you know, and if... Um, you know, if I'm Michigan, I'm, I'm not sure how much I'm trying to stop him right now because I, I, I don't think they would really, you know, for as much as he's done there and accomplished the past couple of seasons and what he's meant to that university over the long haul, I, I can't imagine they want to go through this every year. And I can't either. Uh, I, I would almost, old. yeah, I would think they're like, I'm okay, Jim, you know, you know, thanks thanks for the memories and good yeah. luck in the NFL. Yes, we'll love you here. We'll we'll maybe put a flag up or something for you. Now, bye bye. Yeah, know, and, and know, get here, it on here, to the next season, we, and we'll we'll bring you back for a statue <laughs> unveiling or something. Right, and you know, he's if they if they do it now, he's leaving the program in pretty good shape. They might get dinged a bit on probation, uh, but you know, nothing that would. I'm sure be devastating to the program, especially if Harbaugh is gone. Yeah, uh, you know, if he's the the main culprit. So, uh, yeah, that that would be a very attractive job, wouldn't it? It would be. Uh, although I could see, um, you know, kind of like when he left Stanford with David Shaw, uh, where you know they may go in house. Um, Sharon Moore, who uh, you know was the offensive line coach and took over. I guess he was co-offensive coordinator. Um, I heard yeah, he would get very strong consideration to be promoted if Harbaugh did, in fact, leave. Job to, for an assistant to get. Yeah. So, but, wow. yeah, they you know, they could certainly uh, – they could look outside and would certainly uh, have a lot of appeal. Yes, they, they would have no shortage of candidates. Yeah. All right, well, Mike, that seems like a good place for us to land for this week. And, uh, you know, we will be uh, around. Well, we're not sure if we're going to do uh, a show next week or not. It, uh, you know, depends on if something happens or we come to something we want to talk about, you know. 
Um, we are in the quote unquote off season for a sport that really doesn't have much of an off season anymore. Uh, and we're spring practices pick up in uh, what late March. Usually they start about the beginning of March and uh, in, in the south. Know, anyway. March, yeah, they start in March in the south, and you know more around April in some of the northern tier cities. Um, you know we do have uh, the other the real National Signing Day that's um, at the beginning of February. Um, a portal window, the first portal window closes later this month. Um, you know, we'll we'll see if we see any big more big names go in, um, but yeah, you know, there's probably still uh, some big names in there that you know will kind of find their way to new schools. So you know, if uh, again, you know, we'll uh, when we do meet again, we'll we'll certainly I'm sure have something to talk about, and uh, you know, something always seems to come up. And you know, again, uh, you know, this Jim Harbaugh situation is uh, obviously worth watching. So uh, oh, yeah. we we may certainly uh, be firing up the old coaching carousel again. Yeah, and and it could he could get two of them spent. Uh, you know, obviously we would be talking about the one in college, and uh, yeah, you never know how that's going to play out. So, yeah. um, so right, um, well, anyway, um, I I would say uh, you know to our to our listeners, will uh, when you see something break in college football, just uh, keep your eye on Baltimore Sports and Life, yeah. and uh, because we'll be here to talk about it. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, that'll wrap up this episode of Sports Tonight College Football. You can catch Mike's utterings about college football on the aforementioned Baltimore Sports and Life. And uh, every now and then I drop by and write about the AFC North. And, uh, you know, it's getting a serious time there. I'll be uh, having my next piece coming up in the next few days, kind of looking back at the AFC North season, which was, uh, once again, pretty interesting. So, uh, we will wrap it up, and we will talk to you again soon. Until then, no college football to watch, but try to hang in there anyway until uh, we get some more games to talk about, okay? Thanks for joining us.